Welcome to the coaches meeting. That's the coach. I'm Grant Cohn. Been doing this show a long time. Look, we got. What little, up? I got a little frazzled because we were going to have a regular show, and then Jed York just showed up, started talking. Mm -hmm. Twenty minutes. So we're going to do an instant reaction to Jed York's impromptu, unannounced, semi-informal twenty-minute press conference where he was just dropping bombs. Coach Harvey, <clears throat> what's good, Grant? What's good, Iggy? Oh, I see you with the marble-esque sweater on. You feel me? Wearing that Levi's tie-dye, you feel me? I like because that. That's real, like, west to, west coast of you. I'm trying to show George Kittle how to really rock a Levi's sponsorship. Like, dude, you want to find mm. the good stuff at the store and wear that. Not yeah. the denim on denim on denim on denim with weird graffiti print on it. Actually, it was a strong move. It was strong. It's it true. was strong. You got to respect. It was strong. strong. All right. So what you know what the, what a real strong move was? Jed York just showing up today. Mm -hmm. Showing up. I mean, he he teared up. He did it all. He <laughs> laughed. He cried. Laughed. He was a, what a performance. So we're gonna get we're gonna talk about this at length. Anyone, you guys have questions? We can get into it. But like one by one, what did you think of Jed York's demeanor in this press conference? Uh, he was feeling himself. He was yeah. confident. Uh, he was bombastic. Uh, he was jovial, talkative, um, lighthearted, um, engaging. Uh, he, uh, you know, he was almost kind of like, uh, professorial, like almost like yeah. a professor talking to students, you know, yeah. gave out gambling advice, um, yeah. talked about his Talked about his faux Super Bowl career and uh talked about how it's harder to watch a game than to play in it. Than to play in it, you know, because him and John know what it's like. It, it, it was a lot, bro. There was a yeah. lot. There yeah. was a lot. So I mean he broke news. Yeah, he uh yeah, he broke news. Oh, it was yeah. a great move. Yo, exactly. Then we're not even talking about how he broke news with uh the comments about Brock when you know. Apparently, Kyle called his shot <laughs> like Babe Ruth and told him explicitly that Brock was the best quarterback on the team. Uh, there's a we can if you really want to touch on it, we can touch on it. What do you want? How do you want to do it, Grant? I mean, my question, like when he was out there, I'm standing right in front of him and I'm thinking, why is he talking today? Right. Why? He talked at the owners' meetings in March when they were talking, you know, like in the offseason stuff. Mm -hmm. You've done such a good job of not talking all year, and you right. have like two weeks to go. And he comes out and talks before the Super Bowl, and the way he talks is basically like giving off the attitude like they already won, felt like to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just talking about how they build their team and what a great group it is and why he loves Kyle and why he... I mean, it just came across like yet another example of this team patting itself on the back too soon. And we've talked about that culture, where it comes from. Mm -hmm. This guy. Sorry, Jed. Comes from you. Yeah. I mean, for me, uh, there was just a lot of eye-opening things. One is Kyle tells you or by week one of training camp of 2022 that 
Brock Purdy is the best quarterback on the roster. Now, this is after you've made Trey Lance the number one guy, and presumably this is the guy that you've been getting ready to be your starter for a year. So you get rid of Jimmy. You know what? And there's even, like, forget Trey. You get rid of Jimmy, right? Jimmy's not even practicing. He's on a side field, okay? And the guy that you got as the last pick in this year's draft is better than the plans that you gave up for all of the assets in that quarterback, the guaranteed money that you gave in Nate Sudfield, and Jimmy Garoppolo, who at that time wasn't even on the team. They were still trying to get rid of him because by week one of training camp was August 25th where they played the Houston Texans. Yeah, Jimmy didn't sign with the team until August 29th, four days later. Yeah. So even while you've got your best quarterback on the roster at that time as your rookie last pick, Mr. Irrelevant, you still make the decision to go and pull the trigger on the last quarterback that you've been getting rid of. Like It's like I would just like it if they would just accept the fact that Brock shocked them. Nobody saw it coming, and he saved their ass. Don't yeah. try to come back and try to make this look as though – that there was some type of backdoor channel where everything was intentional and he was the best guy. Like I just, it was a little, it was a little too much to sit through, to be honest. It was a little yeah. too much. I, you're going to stand there with a straight face two years after the fact and say, actually Kyle saw it immediately with Brock Purdy. I mean, that's news to us. Kyle never said that. Jed says yeah. it. And it's like, okay. And he says it to try to, he says it with a, with a grin. Try to be like, see, you guys just don't know how on top of it we are here. Even when it seems like we don't know what we're doing, we do. So, okay, let's take this story. Let's take the story at face value and extend the logic. You knew that Brock Purdy was the best quarterback as a rookie in training camp. And you kept him at third string. Why? So you can start the season two and whatever, three and four? Why? Why did you do that? And if you think Brock is the best quarterback on on your on your roster at that time, then that means that by the time Trey got hurt, you knew you still weren't starting your best option because you started Jimmy. Remember that before Jimmy went down, he he broke his foot or whatever against the Dolphins. I think the day of that game, maybe the week before that game, me and Rappaport came out and said the Niners were so pleased with Jimmy Garoppolo they were ex- uh, considering extending him. The best Jimmy had ever looked. And yet they knew that Brock was the best quarterback on the team and they were going to extend Jimmy Garoppolo. Cap. Come on, yeah. man. Cap. So Stop. Man. Honestly, like it, it, it makes it's better if that story wasn't true than if it was true. Yeah. Trying to stand there two, two years after the fact and act like we knew. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really matter since you got to him eventually, but it just seems so disingenuous to say that. Everyone funny, knew, man. but it was our secret, and we just we were in no, we had no urgency. Sure, it was a Super Bowl or bust year, and we just felt we just kind of felt like making our best quarterback third string because that's that's kind of stuff we do around here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, it, it's weird, man. It's weird. Also, just some other things that he said that were kind of uh, uh, just tilting your hand. I I rem- okay. So Wednesday, me and Ryan did a show. 
And as a matter of fact, me and Ryan did two shows back to back because we did the post game together after this game, right? After we won the NFC championship. And I had said that winning the game, for me, the season was officially a success. That's what I had said. Now, I got tons of pushback because obviously fans want the Super Bowl. And I get that. And that's not the part of the debate that I want to get to, right? That's a whole nother side of it. So I get that. But what kind of like really kind of knocked me back is Jed said that even if they had lost the NFC championship, this still would have been a successful season. That shocked me because the way that game started, I don't think anybody, even you, Greg is Khan, like the people in here, all of my known meat grinders who love to hang off my dangling participles, all of them would even agree that if we would have lost this Detroit game, nobody would have been feeling like the season was a success. No. Especially with the way that we struggle with Green Bay. And then for us to turn another game like that in Detroit at home for the way they opened up against us, and if we would have lost that game, nobody would have been seen looking at that as a as a successful season. I'm sorry. These are even the people who disagree with me, trade people, Bert, Brock Purdy people, anybody can agree with that. And for the owner to say no, I would have looked at this as a successful season if we would have lost the Detroit game. That just lets me know like where Jed stands on the side of this man. Like, I, I don't, I don't see him necessarily like, yo, we got to get a Super Bowl. Like, we got to finish this. Like, I kind of would have expected to see a little bit of that from the owner. But right about now, it looks as though that he just feels really good about where they're at. And whatever happens at the Super Bowl is kind of like house money. That's what it well, feels. I mean, the way he talked is like he the way he talked is like he knows that Brock Purdy's a franchise quarterback. You still don't. It's still too early. So you were a little too confident on there. You talked like you know you're going to win the Super Bowl. He didn't say it, but that was his sort of that was the the meaning of the whole press conference. Why are you talking before the Super Bowl? Oh, because you got in the bag. You got the best player in the world. You got the best quarterback. You got it all. And now this is your moment to take some credit. That's what it felt like to me. You know, Jed has taken so much criticism over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, that three-year span where he got rid of Harbaugh and then Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, and then he just had to fall back and let John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan be the stars. And now it's looking like they may all become champions. And here this dude comes in two weeks too early and is like, hey, don't forget me. Don't forget right. that I hired these guys and, I, and they like me. And we talk. They really like me. They really and I talk like to John. Me. And you know what? Shanahan likes me. Sure, I'm his boss. I, I, I talk to John. He likes me. I talk to John, and you say, what really sucks about watching the games is that you can't really play, and you can't really do something about it. And, you know, really, if you can really do like, what? What? What are you? Man, <laughs> you ever play football at any level ever? They have done a really good job at making the rich kid feel like one of the boys. Yeah. And the, he just loves it, bro. He just and loves it. It's, it, it. Yeah. He's their boss, bro. But that's that. That okay. was. So that let's was switch one more time. Jed York talked a lot about Kyle Shanahan and you alluded to it. They said, they asked him, um, you know, Matt Mayoko asked him. If he wins this game, he's going to be considered an all-time great coach. And if he loses this game, 
people are going to say he can't win the big one. Does that? That was a fair question. Yeah. Does that affect you? Like, do you think that way? And he's like, oh, God, no. Absolutely. I think that's stupid. I just love working with Kyle. And even if we had lost the NFC Championship game, that wouldn't have changed anything. I love working with Kyle. Like, like they have some rare working relationship that he could never attain with someone else. And mm-hmm. when asked, like, well, what do you like about Kyle? Like, what is it about him that you like so much? And he goes, he says what everyone says about Kyle. He's so honest. He's so honest. As if the other coaches weren't? You're telling me Jim Harbaugh wasn't honest enough for you, Jed. He was too honest. He was too honest. So it's like, look, whatever. But the thing about when Jed talked, he talked for 20 minutes. I'm not calling him a liar because he has billions of dollars and I don't. But it's like, Mm -hmm. do you really believe anything he says? And it's like, what's true? What is it? And why are you saying this stuff, man? He's honest. That's why you like him? Okay, I mean, a lot yeah. of people are on. Jim Harbaugh was honest. That's not it. What is it? He validates him. Validates you. You make he, he makes you feel like you're one. He invites you to the dinner party with John Lynch. Yeah, yeah. He, you and John Lynch, you can sit next to a a Super Bowl Hall of Fame safety and talk about the anxiety of wanting to play in the game. They make him feel like you know, like also is- Kyle validates Jed's uh, nepotistic. Um, yeah. Arc. And so as someone who, you know, it has a similar arc, you under, mm-hmm. like you identify with people like that. He looks at Kyle and he's like, well, Kyle had a famous dad. Kyle, Kyle had all the same pushback that I had, but look, Kyle proved them all wrong, just like I have. Like mm-hmm. they're on the same arc. Kyle yeah. needs his Super Bowl and Jed so needs his. Yeah. They're on the same arc. Yeah. So they're peas in a pod. Kyle's done a great job. Of making Jed thinks he li- think he likes him, which who knows? Because mm-hmm. Jim didn't really play that game. No, no, he didn't. And no. I kind of feel like Jim is uh, Coach Harbaugh is he gives off the vibe of he respects those who respect themselves. Yeah. And if you want to be in his orbit, you're gonna have to come in on your own steam, and you're gonna have to earn your own respect to get his respect. And who you are um, pales in comparison to what you are. So, you know, I feel like, you know, Jed came in and he just, he talked, he, he kind of had like a little, he held court, you know what I'm saying? And he felt great. It was amazing, man. I mean, let's just recap. He starts by talking about, the first question is how nervous was he during the NFC championship? And he said, oh, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't nervous. My son was really having a tough time. He was crying. It was a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And so I explained to him, son, this is what pressure is all about. Yeah. This is what pressure is all about. And so now let's throw a football. And he, that, his son had been throwing a football all day. But then they played catch during the game when the Niners were losing and it was the most meaningful moment of Jed's parenting. We didn't say that. And he started crying. He literally mm-hmm. teared up in front of us thinking about playing catch with his son. That felt like a lot. I'm not saying it yeah. wasn't genuine, but it's like, whoa. Okay, like you are in Oscar mode, right? You're in Academy Award-winning mode right now. So like, this is going to be an award-winning performance. He started mm-hmm. off crying. And, and then he was breaking news. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, don't know, I think win the Super Bowl first. It's not about you. We got to win, man. We got to win. I just, yeah. uh, you know, also 
Um, there were just uh some things about um, and to be honest with me, look, with you, like I really don't care about like the interview. Like at the end of the day, it's the owner. Like it's his team. He can come up here and honestly, he could Jerry Jones us. To be honest, right? He could talk whenever he wanted to. So it's not that. So it's not the fact that Jed is talking. He can do whatever he wants. But my thing is like it was just the demeanor of the the interview, the press conference. It felt like he felt really, really happy. You know, as if we had already won. That's what it felt like, honestly. Like that's the crux of it all. Like he can talk. It's we've had a successful season, but just a couple of things. Like you know, he did mention like uh, with John Lynch, he had said, you know, John had mentioned that you know the last time that he went to the Super Bowl, uh, when they won the NFC Championship game, they had the Super Bowl the very next week. They didn't get the buy. They they had to go right into it, and he had kind of alluded to. I thought when I had heard that, I thought he was going to start breaking into the rest, the time to prepare, the yeah. injuries that we're going to need yeah. to mend, Kyle having extra time to prepare for the Chiefs, us being a, uh, the boys being able to actually get some alone time, some personal time. But no, he went immediately into it sucks that you just can't soak it in. You know, you just won the NFC championship game and, you know, you know, you have to go right into the Super Bowl and you just can't you can't really celebrate the moment. You really can't take advantage of the moment. And I'm like, take advantage of the moment. Like uh, and 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 for those who take umbrage, it's like you just got to look at all of the commentary that said Fred Warner said in his interview today. He got asked, where's his NFC championship ring for 2019? He acted like it was a Cracker Jack ring like he was like i don't know he even said that when he had got it in 2019 he looked at it and said oh this is nice and tossed it right but you get the you get the commentary from jed where he's like nah man we need time to kind of like pause and smell the roses to soak this in like to this point he even he even said further talked about the nfc uh the the championship game in 2019 I'm in the Super Bowl, and he said, dude, when you're up 10 points, you start thinking ahead. You start saying to yourself, I'm going to, we're going to Disney World. We're going to start setting a parade. You know, he's like, those are the things, things you start thinking about. So, like, dude, it's persistent. These are the things that we've talked about all the time on being able to finish, being able to be resolute and understanding the goals that we need. And all I'm saying is that we just heard it from the owner. So yeah. don't get mad that I'm like literally saying the words right back. I'm but, not done with Jed. I'm not done with yeah. Jed. I got one more. And this just occurred to me. Like what he's, what Jed York said about Christian McCaffrey was the living end. So Jed essentially came out, in my opinion, to remind everyone to give him credit. And he was asked about the Christian McCaffrey trade. Like, was it tough for you to okay the trade? Mm-hmm. All those resources. And he laughs and he's like, actually, Kyle was the one that thought it was too expensive. Yep. I was the one who was like, man, that's a lot for a running that's back. That's too much. And Ned really stood there and was like, me and John were like, yeah, but that's the best. Yeah, he's a great, it's not too much for Christian McCaffrey. So mm-hmm. Jed actually stood up there in front of everyone today and bragged about having more foresight on the Christian McCaffrey trade. He, even said he, was, like, he was like, look, Kyle, do you want us to have him or, or the Rams? Was or like, the Rams. Dude. Like, he was feeling himself. Like, I'm like, Okay, I'm sorry, Jed. I can't. You, I'm really supposed to believe that you went head to head with Kyle Shanahan on this trade, and, he and was, told Kyle no. 
No, we're doing the trade, Kyle. He probably said you, it. You have, we're doing the trade. <laughs> he probably said it and then like went behind, went behind uh, John and was like, yeah, John, tell him. I Yeah, man. To I his know. point, how has Kyle matured throughout the years since he's been here? And he, he said, matured? Matured? Ha ha ha. Ha. So, yeah, man. It was interesting. It was interesting. So, if, according to Jed, Kyle was too chicken to trade for Christian McCaffrey, and Jed had to step in and be like, let me show you how a man does it or something. <laughs> <laughs> let me show you how me and my Hall of Fame friend, Jed John, I had these issues done. with Jim. I had these issues with Jim, and I had to put my foot down, Kyle. Let me show you how it goes. We're going to get CMC. And he said CMC is the best player in the world and that Kyle didn't want him. So essentially, mm-hmm. if the Niners win the Super Bowl, it's you got you to credit Jed. Yeah, it's you have Jed. to. Is it not? Yeah, it was a lot, man. Kyle told him that Brock was the man before uh, the start of uh, Trey Lance's first rookie season and before Jimmy, before they went and got Jimmy and while Nate Sudfield was still on the team. Yeah. That's that's clairvoyance, boy. Yeah, man. it is. It is. It's impressive. It's I think impressive. It's funny, like, here's my question with this Jed thing today. Do you think Corey Rush, the Niners PR director, good guy, walked up to the Niners CEO, CEO today and was like, Jed, I think it'd be a good idea if you talk to the media today. You think Corey's got that kind of pull? Just walk, walk waltz into Jed's office and be like, hey, Corey, hey, Jed. Need you. Or do you think Jed just walked downstairs and was like, I'm in a great mood. Let's talk. I want to talk. Yeah. How come no one asked me to, it's like, man, did anyone ask you to do this? Did you need to do this? Because now it's Jed Jed York Day. What is this? February 1st, 2024. It's Jed York Day. Forget anything else anyone said. Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Kyle Sanahan. Jed spoke. The owner, for the first time since March, what did he say? Oh, he spoke for Kyle. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and you know, you know what's just I love you Kyle know so much. You know what's cute mm-hmm. about this is that like Jed spoke right, and to be honest, dude, like Jed's a billionaire, so like, and you can tell kind of like how when you talk about people who like people have a vested interest in they almost you you get the energy as if like you can't talk about him he owns a football team who are you to critique yeah. and see the words that who do you think he, that's Jen York who are you yeah. who do you think you are to talk about a guy that has money that yeah. guy's rich uh-huh. You need to just shut your this mouth. This is what I do for a living. I, his, I moral assess- compass, his moral compass is, is bathed in Bitcoin, diamonds, and golden bars. You yeah, need to shut Santa your Clara, filthy mouth up. Santa Clara you mayor. Ask the Santa Clara mayor about... He had a question about that, too. Yeah. I don't really know that story, but I know the Chronicle's been all over it. I think he, like, really... I don't know even... I don't even know. But he got a question about some local politics stuff, and he was... <laughs> Not prepared for it. He just stood there. He's like, could I get a football question? Like, what do you mean football question? You're not a coach. Mm. You're an owner. You can't talk business? Why? 
Because he oh, wanted to talk about football. Coordinator of the team. He was standing there talking to me like, hey, you know, on this team, we put most of our resources on defense, you know, because Kyle, he's working so hard on offense. We don't need to, like, yeah. Instead, we don't spend high draft picks on them. We customarily Jed, quick, don't super quick, high. What's the difference between cover three and cover four? Real quick. Jed, 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 explain to us a wide nine uh, defensive front. I want to know. He's too busy wanting to play during the games because watching is too much anxiety. You want to be able to explain do something to me about it, Grant. Split belly zone. Show me what, tell me what duo is. What are you talking about football philosophy? Don't do that. You don't know what we do over here. I wanted Christian McCaffrey. Man, you write checks. And apparently you tell stories. Great ones. I just feel like, hey, man, what do you think Kyle Shanahan thought of what Jed said today after listening to it? You think he, li- you think he liked it? No. You think he was, he was happy about that? It was real like, it was real like uh, shoulder to shoulder. Like, I'll put it like this. I'll put it like this. In terms of talking about the team, I would expect Jed to talk top down because it's his team, right? I I expect that. Like, I expect in terms of talking about infrastructure, direction, what's happening, the pulse of where the organization is going, like, I expect all of that from Jed. And to be able to sit down and really, like, listen to what he has to say because that is in his wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But this was a football conversation that Jed had. And he was talking as if he was a football guy. And it was interesting. A player and a coach and a coordinator. It was was interesting. It was interesting. I guess I'm so, so Kyle's done a really good job of making Jed feel like one of the guys. Yeah. Almost too good of a job. He's Mm -hmm. got Jed feeling like he's a coach. Mm -hmm. Kyle does that. He does that a lot for people, right? He explains the game so well. You come away feeling like you understand too. And really you're just no kind of Kyle's perspective. Maybe. Mm -hmm. His players do that too. It was interesting, man. All right. Let's look it's inclusive. inclusive. Let's check out some prop bets on BetUS. You know how Super Bowl always has those prop bets. So I don't even, I mean, you could go here, get the first half props, first quarter props, second half props, exact score props, halftime show props, Kelsey and Swift props. What do you think the Kelsey and Swift props are? How many times I'll be on TV? Definitely. Definitely. I want to know. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift to win Song of the Year and Kansas City Chiefs to win Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> Taylor Swift to win Song of the Year and Travis Kelsey to score one touchdown. Taylor yes. Swift to win Record of the Year and Travis. Wow. I, that's one of the cool things about the She's Super Bowl. She's going to do it all. She's you super successful. MVP props? She gets a lot of hate, bro. She does. But there, there was, there's one narrative about Taylor Swift that kind of made me understand, like, and, you know, I get it. It's like, if she is in a relationship with him, can she not go to the games? You know what I'm saying? Like she deserves to go. Yeah. Right. True. And she like she's not allowed to go because she knows the camera's gonna like that's not fair. She should exactly. She she yeah. can, she deserves to go. It's not her fault that they like they they literally milk the hell out of her presence every time she goes. Yeah. But from like her perspective, I I agree with that. Like she, you know, you can't tell her not to go. That's like ridiculous. She can go. I, I don't like when f- uh, sports broadcasts pan to the crowd, like. Why? I don't like it either. I'm trying to watch the game. I don't really care what anyone's reaction is in the stands. But mm-hmm. that's not her fault either. Mm-hmm. So you go to BetUS, you can check out MVP props. Mahomes plus 135, Brock Purdy plus 250. See, this is what I don't understand. The Niners are one-point favorites, but Mahomes is supposed to be the MVP? Make up your mind. If the Niners are one-point favorites to win the thing, then Brock Purdy should be the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl MVP or whatever. Well, Jed York also said in his interview, he said Christian McCaffrey is the best player in the NFL. 
But then he also said that Patrick Mahomes is the best player on the planet. So I don't know yeah. which one is better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you want to bet on any of these props? What more? This is a Niner thing, but I'm interested. Belichick, where he's going to be next year. You can bet on this. I don't this. think he's going to go anywhere, Network, Amazon, CBS, ESPN, NBC, or Fox. <laughs> that is cold-blooded. So cold, man. Cold-blooded. I love stuff like that. That's it is. What it is. He deserves it, man. Hey. Click on the link in the description. Get a uh, 125% bonus and get your winnings within 24 hours at BetUS. All right. So enough, Jed. That's enough, Jed. We're gonna get the super yeah, whatever. Chat in a it's just yo. It's at the end of the day. It's just the guy who signs the checks. To be honest, like whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, really, honestly, he said, "What did, didn't he say? He has next to nothing to do with the outcome of the game." No, 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 no. You have nothing to do with it. He said next to nothing. I believe almost mm-hmm. nothing to do with the outcome of the game. No, you have nothing to do with the outcome of the game. You know who does? Fred Warner, who spoke today, defensive captain. And he fully acknowledged that the Niners' defensive effort has been subpar. I'm so glad he did that, man. Thank you. And what's interesting, too, is like someone asked him, uh, uh, Larry asked him, do you go up to people who aren't playing hard enough and say, you know, reading the riot act, essentially. And he's like, nah, I mean, if you go back and look at the film, there's plenty of plays where I wasn't playing hard enough. And who am I to say? He was like, what? Yeah, it was interesting, huh? man. It, it was. Why is there a collective effort issue now for this team with so much on the line after so many weeks off? What? Well, all right. So I could go. I'm going to show how responsible I can be right now because there are two ways I can go with this. I can go one way with looking at this from like, you know, old eyes. You know, you're supposed to be Ray Lewis. You're supposed to be Patrick Willis. You're supposed to be the tip of the spear. You're supposed to be the head of the defense. Why aren't you, you know, being the example? Ray Lewis never missed a tackle in his life. I really could do all of that. But that's really not the truth. The truth is, is that that's really not the way that most that that teams are. Our team is made. Right. There are some teams like that. Right. I kind of feel like the Ravens are like that. Roquan Smith kind of like digs in everybody's ass when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But. I, I feel like our team, pause. especially our defense, pause. Yeah. Definitely. I heard it. Yeah. I tried to sneak past. I'm sorry. It was good. I but, was just like, yeah, pause. It was. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah digging in. Yeah, I got you. So <laughs> also, but with our defense, I feel like we are we're a little bit more mature. We have a lot more veterans, right? This is a defense that's been together for a long time, right? There's a core to this defense that have played together a long time. And they play more to a standard. And uh, with the standard in which they play, I can see how they kind of like lift each other up, right? And I can understand that type of message from Fred saying, hey, I don't want to talk down or talk at anybody else kind of from like, um, kind of like a top dog position because I myself misplays and like that can come back on me. I get that. Um, But... They do have to find a way how to like rectify in the moment because what him admitting that also does show that a lot of the stuff that we see when we're when you opening games, man, I just feel like if there's a if there's a coaching point or a coaching flaw that needs to be made during a game, you're not going to see it literally in the first drive. 
right? It's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be that. It's good as time comes around, as scenarios keep coming up against themselves, then you'll see, all right, yeah, maybe we do need to put more people in the box. But, dude, 88 and out the gate, and them going, they're gashing you for 12 yards. It's shit on top of shit. You just can't start picking what's bad. If everything looks bad, you're just bad. If you're not executing, if you're not, if you don't have effort up front, that's not a coaching issue. If you're if you're not filling your gaps or tackling or wrapping up with one man waiting on an entire group, jogging on the field, that's not you can't coach that up. You can't coach up jogging on the field, man. You can't real quick, real quick. So everyone saw Chase Young because it was clear as day him jogging across on the Jameer Gibbs touchdown run. I went back and watched the Jamison Williams touchdown run because Kyle Shanahan is adamant that it wasn't just D-line. You go back and watch Jamison Williams touchdown run. He goes from left to right on a reverse. Fourth game or something to Sean Gibson. You watch his backside pursuit. He jogs the whole way through the play when he actually had an opportunity to make a tackle. So it's not just Chase Young. They He's wait on guys to make plays. They expect guys to make plays yeah, on the front I, side. Greenlaw was the one who missed the tackle at the end, but he was the one actually running hard running. after Sean Gibson was like jogging. Go back and watch that that play. So mm-hmm. to Kyle's point, it's not just the D-line. It's, man, it's the whole defense. And what's crazy about it, last year with D'Amico, when D'Amico was at the top of his game, when people would say, what makes D'Amico so good? People say, well, I don't know, man. He, his defense plays with crazy effort. Like every time there's a tackle, there's 11 defenders in the frame. They're all there. They talk mm-hmm. about that all the time. It's the same defense. Yeah, they're missing a few players, but same leaders. And all of a sudden, Fred Warner's talking about, yeah, man, it just wasn't my best effort. In the NFC Championship game. What? Yeah, man. Huh? Yeah. And really back man, to back. Two weeks off. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's persistent. You know, and and like I remember when we first got Chase Young, and this is some of the stuff that like, you know, you we love it. to talk about what we see. You know what I'm saying? And in the moment, I'm not gonna sit here and shy away from what I see just because it rubs up against a, a narrative, right? I'm just telling you simply what I see, and I got a lot of pushback for that Chase Young shit. When we first got here, I said like, yo. I'm not too happy about this. I don't necessarily think he's the guy that you guys think he is. Like, yeah. pump your brakes. A lot of the, there's a reason why he's here. His effort is a really big issue. He walks on the field. I've watched film on him. And I got all of the guys, I got all of this hate about, oh, what are you talking about? There was even one time where, like, he had two good games. And there was, like, a legit conversation on who should we sign? Brandon Ayuk or Chase Young? Do you remember that? There was like legit people asking, like, who should we sign? It's just like, bro, if you if you are doing this in the NFC championship game, there's literally no game that can get you going. Mm-mm. That's it. Like, there's no game. Like, if you got effort issues facing certain teams, and like that's crazy to me. That's wild. Like, I don't, you know, hey, not have Ben York talked about the Chase Young trade too. Yeah. He, he said, was that's like, why you, know, you go get him. Time, you trade a third-round pick for a guy in an expiring deal nine weeks into the season. That's crazy. But around here, we do that because we're going all in. And then he started telling us how to play no-limit hold'em. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if yeah. you guys play poker, but I like to play poker. And you don't push all in on, you know, Jack Six offsuit. Uh, like, offsuited. Let me write this down. <laughs> Let me write this down. <laughs> okay. All right. Riverboat Jed. <laughs> Can you imagine playing poker with a billionaire? Like, yeah, you just got to sit there and be like, great. That was a great play. That was wow. awesome. 
<laughs> Keep him playing. <laughs> Jed, you won. Jed you won, won this hand. Jed won you this made hand. The play there. You lost, but it was a bad beat. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yo, I mean, it's it, it's funny, man, but you know that the whole that whole Chase Young situation is um it's happening on the biggest stage. And like if anybody's saying that they can't see with this kid, and like, yeah. The 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 pl- the clip that went viral, all right. That's like one of the like egregious ones because he was actually near the ball, dude. You should see the ones where the ball where he actually has to run to the ball. Those those are even worse, man. Like so, he, Fred is right. Um, the effort on defense has not been there, and teams that can get to the edge and teams like Isaiah that have guys like Isaiah Pacheco, like we can't even say teams anymore. This is it. The Chiefs. Right. Like not teams, the Chiefs, the Chiefs got a running game. They don't have they don't have like they don't have like a ranked running game, but they got enough to make us look bad, especially with a runner like Isaiah Pacheco. So we're going to have to see effort on this one. Well, the question here, though, is why like, this is a defense that's been together. They were known for like they're not a defense that's ever been about overwhelming you with scheme or tricking you. They don't do a lot. What they do is play really freaking hard with a lot of violence, all gas, no breaks. All that, I mean, it's been the culture for seven years. Mm-hmm. And I think without knowing, a person could wonder, is this Steve Wilkes' fault? What do you think? Um, well, this is one thing that I'll say. He did everything their way. He came here, ditched his defense ditched his whole skill set and said, I'm going to learn it your way. Mm-hmm. He learned their defense, came in, implemented his own fronts with his own blitz packages. And to the chagrin of the defense, they were telling him like, yo, we don't like this. On top of the fact that we don't like this, we don't like you in the booth. Yeah. We need you to come down and get on the sidelines. On top he of that, down. we really need you to change your name to D'Amico. And shave your head. We need you to shave your head. You're like, right now. <laughs> like, so, like, he, he, he related. He did everything that face. they wanted. I don't know what it is. Don't like your face. It makes me, I want to punch it. Like, what? Mm-hmm. I can't change my face. This is my face. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, for me, he's done everything that they've asked, right? Came on the sideline. Learned the defense, even to uh, even when we were losing. I remember on the comments, you know, the front ends and matching the back end. That was a shot at Wilkes. That was you're not keeping us in the wide nine and trying to win with four. We don't like your blitz pressures. We don't like your sets. We don't like how you're scheming this up up front. That was all trying to get Wilkes to just literally go back to what they learned. And part of that, honestly, was the fact that Nick was late. He didn't learn any of this in camp. So really trying to learn something new with one of your best important players on the defensive line, only knowing how to do it his way. You don't think that you don't think that he's coming in there with his way, with his way, with his old way of playing. Yeah, like I feel like Coach Wilkes has done it the way that he's been asked to do it. And I understand motivating your players. Um, I could see if Coach Wilkes was just on the sidelines and I didn't see any type of energy or pump from him or the guys like Traverius Ward today with Dan Campbell said to himself that like uh, coach Wilkes was the reason why he was in the pro bowl and all pro and that he vehemently supports him. That's his guy. Um, So for that, 
I feel like how are you going to um, then get to the point of being a veteran defense, telling a veteran coach like, hey, you got to do it our way. We were the number one defense before you got here. And then turn around and say, well, the effort really hasn't been there on defense and we need to step up our effort because it hasn't been enough. And it's kind of like, all right, well, what are you guys a veteran defense or are you not? Right. Because right now you got a coach that you basically been gaslighting into doing everything your way to get the best out of you guys. So if he's doing everything for, that you guys need, the least you can do is go all out. Like I can't tell you to play to the echo of the whistle kid. You got to want to do that. Glenn brings up an interesting point. He says Wilkes is low energy. There's nothing wrong with being low energy. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm low energy. Kyle Shanahan is decidedly low energy and he's an excellent coach. Um, but I do think it's interesting having the top two coaches on the team both be low energy. Mm-hmm. When Kyle and Sala work together, when Kyle and D'Amico work together, I think part of the reason they were such good pairings is that Sala was decidedly high energy. So much so that there was a person on the staff whose job it was to keep him off the field. D'Amico was the same way. And D'Amico used to talk about, he used to talk about like energy vampires and energy. You can't have too many of those on your team. And D'Amico wasn't. I don't, I'm not saying that Steve Wilkes is, but maybe Kyle needs to have a little bit more self-awareness and understand that he, he needs someone to bring that, whatever you want to call it, energy, rah, rah, juice. Cause he doesn't. And I don't know. Wilkes is very contemplative. I respect Wilkes a lot, but he may not be the counterpart, the whatever you want to call it that Kyle needs from a um, motivational standpoint. I think, uh, respectfully, respectfully, I think that's bullshit. Um, And the reason why is because you can look at Kyle and Kyle isn't congratulatory. Kyle isn't rah-rah. And you can look at him in his playbook and it could be described as he's intense. He's intently watching the game. He's looking at every every last piece of the game, and that's why he's so stoic right now. He doesn't have the time to do it. But then you look at a guy like D'Amico or Robert Sala, and, you know, because they fit a certain mold, they got to be jumping around, high-fiving everybody and bumping everybody in the chest. Coach Wilkes shows a lot of emotion on the sidelines, and just because he's not the guy that you would expect running up and down the sidelines, being an old man, like, doesn't mean that he's low energy. Like I seen when we gave up that fourth down call, uh, Coach Wilkes. Go back, check the film. Look at Coach Wilkes on the sideline when we give up plays, or when Coach when guys are coming in celebrating with Coach Wilkes. He's not low energy at all. I just think that there's a certain avatar on how guys have to look in order for you to interpret whether their energy is high energy or not, right? So I don't agree with that. Well, I mean, D'Amico and Robert Sala were very intentional in the way they would display their energy they would run onto the field and chest pump players. They're built, I mean, one is a linebacker, one's built like a linebacker. Like They're very outward with their, um, I don't know. And like, I don't know, maybe this isn't the issue, but I just think it's interesting. Like, to me, I think of Steve Wilkes as more of like a teacher and a damn good one. Um, but if they're waiting for him to sort of like spark the team's mo- like juice in a way that, D'Amico and Sal, I don't think that's necessarily his skill set. And he's been around. Like, he has a very defined skill set. He's very good at what he does. But if you're asking him to be Robert Sala or D'Amico Ryans, I don't think he can. He's not that. That's not and who he is. You should know that. 
Kyle isn't that. He isn't that. If that's what you wanted, you didn't find it. You found a very smart coach who wanted to be in the freaking booth and maybe you should let him go back now. Mm-hmm. I think he sees the field a little bit better. From, maybe he'd make adjustments quicker from the booth. I don't know. But I just think, I just think for you to, I, I think that every coach has their own like bedside manner, if you will. And if you, I, one thing is that, you know, authenticity is an aroma. You can smell it on people. And if somebody's being fake, it comes across really badly. And uh, the last thing you want is to lose your players if they think you fake. So how you express yourself in the heat of the moment, especially how you coach, it's important for not necessarily how it looks to your players, but for your players to understand like who you are as a person and to know what intensity looks like, what happens when I'm hyped. Like I've had coaches where because of who I understood who they were as a person, if they leaned over me and started clapping in my face, I got crazy hyped because I knew that was the best. That was when I knew they were turned up. And it all it had to be was their interpretation of letting me know that they were pleased with what I was doing at the moment. So it's not about how we see it, but it's how it's interpreted to the players as well. One final thought, and this just came to me. Glenn says in the Baltimore game, Wilk sat on the bench and said nothing to his team in the third quarter. I didn't see that. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, two things that define this era of the Niners under Kyle Shanahan. One, his scheme. Two, Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryan's culture. The mm-hmm. all gas, no breaks thing. They established that. It was Sala and D'Amico. They were here from the beginning. They're gone now. And now you bring in an outsider and you tell him to learn to run the defense. He can, he can learn all that stuff. But he was not there when those two guys established that particular culture. And it sure. seems to me that now that they're both gone, teams having effort issues on, on defense. I'm not blaming Wilkes, but this just may be a symptom of this just may, must be this just might be what happens when you lose two really, really, really good coaches who were here from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just talking. Killing time. No, I mean, I, I I mean, I can get that. You know what I'm saying? I just uh, you know. I'm not trying to blame Wilkes here because he was put in an impossible position. I'm saying that Kyle may not have really understood what Sala and D'Amico brought and how to replace him them. That's fair. That's fair. He really might, and, and that's fair too. Like he may not be a fit, right? Like Will's really smart. Like he may come out. You know defense. what? This team is so good with coming out with stuff after the fact. We may find out months from now that they really didn't want Wilkes, and they, you know, they dragged them all the way through. Like honestly, that could come out. Like so, you, like, you never know. With Wilkes, they're always like, "Hey, do less. Oh, don't blitz. Uh, just just do zone coverage. Like, like do less." But yeah. so what you really wanted was, you know, the, the, the yes to Kyle Shanahan's no. You wanted a different, you wanted a guy on the sideline to be the head coach who's not the head coach. Okay, then, then, un, then acknowledge that. Acknowledge. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I said, okay. All right. I see what you're, because I'm like, what the fuck is he pushing back for? I see what you're saying. Yeah. What you're basically saying is, is that Kyle has, through years, Kyle has outsourced a certain element of his culture and his team to his defensive coordinators. Yes. Right. Yes. And coach D'Amico. Low energy, energy vampire to a degree who really needs the D coordinator to be that Dan Campbell type. That Robert Okay. Schaller. I see yeah. that. I see what you're trying to say. And I'll yeah. tell you this. I think that that is bullshit. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. 
Because even with what Jed said today, I think that they all fuel off of everybody knowing where they stand, right? You can have rah-rah. You really can. And that could be culture. But the facts are is that it's Kyle's standard what makes guys practice hard and what makes guys come in shape because they know they will be out of here. It's Kyle is the one that will cut you, bench you, and get rid of you quick if you don't hold the standard of what he expects. Okay, all respect, They practice all harder than everybody in the NFL. real hard the last 10 minutes to sort of convince you of a theory as to why the effort is falling off you have. at the most critical time. And you don't buy it. Fair enough. What do you think it is? What do you think it is? It's got to be something, man. Okay. I it's think not, that it's not a fluke. No, no. But I also do think that these guys come in with a lot of confidence and they really do believe that they are the best team in the NFL. They, they just looked at Detroit and Green Bay and were like, well, they I don't, I don't think it was you know, that. They, they, try- they do that. Like Nick Bosa's even said, like, I mean, we we're human. We know what we're facing. Like sometimes we, he you know, said that he did during the season. Like when they asked him, like, why, why did you lose these games? Like, well, you know, you kind of know what you're facing. You kind of like, it's hard. Trent Williams said that too. You know, we're five and oh, we kind of think. So, mm. well, I mean, honestly like, speaking, I mean, I just, and I just went through this on the last show is that there really wasn't nobody in the NFC this year. Like everybody's in transition or they're, they're too young and don't have enough experience. Like, Outside of us, there really was no like established team in the NFC. And, you know, if I was this, if I was, listen, we're not as close to the game as they are from like a, from a, from literally a player perspective, like understanding what these teams truly are. Right. We're kind of, we're kind of 10,000 feet away, honestly. So in their perspective, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but. There was a time where NFL players didn't care who they played. They were going to play to the tilt no matter what. But these boys, knowing how good they are and understanding the league that they're in at this moment, hey, man, it's hard to get up for some teams that we know we're just flat out better than. All I know. I know they don't feel that way this week, but. All I know is if you got Chase Young loafing on touchdown runs, Tashawn Gibson loafing on touchdown runs in the NFC Championship. Ambry Thomas, the same way. does not reflect well on the D-line coach. doesn't reflect well on Chris Kacarek. It doesn't reflect well on Steve Wilkes. It doesn't reflect well on Kyle Shanahan. So they got to figure it out. That can't happen in the Super Bowl. Like, it better be because they were playing down to the Lions. It can't happen in the Super Bowl because if it does, people will notice and talk about it forever, even if Jed York doesn't care. Well, I mean, it's it's, the season is is a success to Jed. He said, even if we lost, I don't, the- I, I don't, I don't put stock in anything Jed York says. I'm sorry. Yeah. He has a lot of stuff. Yeah. And real quick, we'll come back to Jed real quick. It's like, man, what do you do? Your parents own the team. Mm-hmm. Kyle runs the team along with John Lynch. You're doing a press conference now mm-hmm. talking about talking Kyle Shannon into making like, man, you don't really. It's like, it's like he came in. The group project is almost done, and he just wants to sign his name. It's like, hey, man, I, I was here. You're not even really the owner of the team. Your parents owned the team and gave it to you. It was like a birthday present. That's, I guess, what billionaires do. Here's a football team. Great. Fine, but we all know it's not your team. It's their team. Jed, should start, You're talking. Jed should start the historic wing of the Niners. I mean, he, if he had a production crew, he could like get crazy footage because he's just – 
He has a front row seat to everything. He's in all of the conversations. He knows the motive of everything. He could really do like if we're if there's a documentary on this season, Jed should narrate. Jed should, should be the voiceover. All right, we're gonna it's get open. all the super chats now. It's been Let's like go. the whole. We'll, we'll get to them real quick. I see a lot of people in the not super chatting it, but asking me about my forehead. So let me tell you, <laughs> I know I look like pizza face Magoo these days. I'm sorry. I haven't been sleeping that well. And so I wake up early and drink too much coffee, and it's a vicious cycle. I'm I'm working on it. But if you want to call me pizza face, I'll take it. I'm a pizza hey, face. Uh, Right. Yo, they they brutal, man. But I love the chat, man. I love the I hate, bro. Very handsome man. I'll take it. They're brutal, you know bro. Sometimes. But it is what it is. It's, it is you got to be game for it. You got to no, be game for it. You know what's actually it. happening is I just hit puberty. I just hit puberty. Mm-hmm. Just now, it happened. Yeah, thirty six. I've, I've been waiting. Voice dropped a little bit, and I got some. I'm breaking out, but <laughs> I, I, you know, you know why? You're a fucking thug for just bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking thug, dog. Like, hey, it is hey, what man. it is. It is what it is. I don't look great right now, but yeah. I still look better than 99% of the people watching this show. So that's and it's all right. Hey, dog. That's what I'm saying. And like, bro, we are just up here talking. Like, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm ready to find out whatever happens at the end of this season. I need a break from football. Like, I feel like we've been way too obsessed Forehead with this, needs a with break this from shit. Football. Yeah, like, it's time to just give it a break, bro. I'm ready for the season to kind of take a take take a break, bro. Ryan G. Hensley says Jed said champions act like champions before they're champions. You're right. It does start with Jed. He believes that. Do you guys? Champions. Uh I don't first of all, hold on. He says champions act like champions before they're champions. You know what that sounds like? Take it till you make champion it. would say. Yeah. They know what it takes. Don't tell me what, what champions act like. You're not one. You don't know. Tell me yeah. next week in two weeks if you win. Yeah. Yeah, bakers yeah. act like bakers before they're bakers. <laughs> <laughs> You're a substitute teacher. What are you talking about? <laughs> Official BNA Music 88 says, why can't Jetty Jones just shut the hell up? Hey, man, Jetty Jones, I like that. <laughs> Amtod99 says, bro, I watched an old press conference of Jed. I didn't realize bro was balding like that. But look at him now, full head of hair. Lowell really did a number on him. He doesn't have a full head of hair. Here's the thing. When you look at a billionaire like Jed York and his hair hang- hanging on for dear life or LeBron James, and then you watch those commercials from like Bosley Medical or Rogaine, it's like, man, I see LeBron James and his billions of dollars trying to put his hair back. It's not working. You can't do it. You can't tell me that this if a billionaire can't do, it, do it. It can't be done. Like even Dion's joint, I'd be looking at Dion's joint. Like if even if it went, even if he goes against a stiff wind, that joint go. <laughs> like, yo, just let it go, baby. Let it go. Yeah, man, just get a wig like Steve Harvey. Sorry, that's what Cat Williams said. I don't have any allegiance. Mm-hmm. Official being music eighty eight says Jed trying to get that Cabo invite. That boy thirsty. He wants that. He wants that invite. My ties. Uh, he's not just gonna get the invite. He's gonna pay for it. Hey Jed, you want to come? Mm-hmm. Did you? Clave says Kyle knew Brock was the best quarterback on the roster on the same time I did. I guess he really is a genius after all. <laughs> I love Flave. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Menard says, I wonder if the players would have thought the season was successful if they had lost to the Lions. Doubt it. Kyle might. Lynch definitely not. And again, thank you. Thank you. Come on. Have. Don't stand there and tell us it all would have been good. You know it wouldn't have. Come on, bro. Like, you can't, like, I understand that we're going to give you leeway because it's your team. So, you know, talk your talk, you know, do your thing. 
But don't start saying this. Don't talk in my face. You 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 thought the season would have been a success if we had lost, but the way that game started, everybody would have been gutted. Come on, man, stop. Ryan G. Hensley show says Flav tweeted out, "I miss you, Jimmy." In October. <laughs> That's petty. Did he really I like it though? He, I'm sure Fake he ass. Oh, he's going back. And Ryan uh, has to have me on his show because he thinks he's smarter than he really is. And I do and miss, do miss Jimmy. Back. Yo, hey, Flav go get you. You better watch out, bro. <laughs> Ryan just texted me. Bakers act like bakers before they're bakers. <laughs> 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 oh Jed, man. Can you imagine going to high school with Jed? No. Oh God. No. That would have been went to my high school. I can't imagine. Nah. He probably went I'd to a been. high school with like 40 people in the graduating class. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like in the K through 12 school. He probably had to fly his loafers. Dockers on deck. Come on, man. Let's not talk about the attache. <laughs> James said, Wells said, Corinthian leather, about, leather. Who am I to talk about a guy who inherited a football team and billions due to nothing more than winning the birth lottery? Who yeah. I? Who am I? Yeah. Easy Sanchez never heard the hunt speak in the last six years. Well, it's just like, you know what? Time has changed, man. Like, I grew up in an era where you made fun of like really rich people, like, you made fun of billionaires. But like, now, I feel like today's day and age is like everybody wants to star fuck. So it's like, you know, he's the man. Defend him. If I the way I see it was the owners of the team are the are the parents, and they gave it over to Jed because they didn't want to live out here, talk to the media, be held accountable. They wanted to be in Ohio. Like, Jed, like you go do the press conferences. You go be out in the limelight. You're 27. You love it. You want it. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Take it. So he did, and he was awful. And he tried to speak for the team, and he he embarrassed it. He, Trent Baalke couldn't speak for the team. He ran off Jim Harbaugh. Now it's like, well, that's John Lynch's job. And Kyle can kind of do it too. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Nothing. Yeah. Don't talk. Let John do yeah. that. Yeah. No, no, no. What he True. does is he talks Kyle Shannon into making the most important trades. Good to know. Travi86 says, if Trey had the season BP had, he would be MVP. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says it's okay for Jed to be Jerry Jones every year or so. Every year or so. Uh, well, 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 it's okay for him to be Jerry Jones if we win. But Jerry and, hasn't won in 30 years. Doesn't everyone make fun of Jerry when he talks? Like, what are you talking about, Jerry? Why, yeah. why, are you, why is it all about you? Isn't well, that's that why the, the Cowboys are never doing anything. Part of the problem with the Cowboys is that it's all about Jerry. Him and his son pick the players? Like, What? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The stride of buy says, Coach and Grant, do you gentlemen agree we need to show some more exotic looks off the wide nine? On passing downs, what about dropping nine in the zone, rushing only two off the edge with Kelsey double teams? I don't like rushing two. I don't like rushing two, and I don't like rushing the wide nine against the, We're getting gashed in the run game with the wide nine, honestly. I, I don't like using the wide nine against two tight end formations, man. I, I, and they're going to do that. The Chiefs yeah, are going to do that against us. They, they have tight a, end formations. Yes, they have a very good tight end. They have a very good tight end package, and it's going to be really, really uh, imperative that our safety play and our linebacking play does a really good job in, in filling those holes and those gaps and holding the edge. That's the thing. In the wide nine, 
it works if you hold the edge, if you push everything back inside. But there's there's no point in being stretched that thin to a nine tech, and then you're gonna give up the edge at the nine. You're already you're already past the numbers once once you start moving the point. Like I'm telling you, they better they better figure out what they're gonna do with this wide nine, especially against the Chiefs, because they're gonna run two tight end sets, even sometimes three tight end sets against us, Grant. Jack's fat boy says, let, let Young walk get Joey Bosa. Joey Bosa hasn't been great the last couple of years. No. How's no. Nick doing? Good with the media. Flav says, Jed finally learned, got two people that are respected in the NFL and know what they're doing. Kyle and John are such geniuses that they made Jed believe he actually has a say in decisions. That was Harbaugh's mistake. Like, he just yep. bulldozed he couldn't, he couldn't let him feel like he was a part. That yeah, was like what you do with your little brother. Like, yeah. hey, you want to come play with us? Yeah, you yep. can come play video games. No, 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 you can't pick up the, the controllers. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me what to do? Tell me what to do, man. Help me out. What should I do next? Look at look at look at John and Jim's dad. Look at his look at their father. And you tell me if that's the type of man that could sit back and let somebody think that they are somebody who they're not. They're not. The hardballs are old-fashioned steak and potatoes. They're gonna tell you how it is, and they're not going. The they're Shanahan's not gonna be that savvy. Like, the Shanahan's are like uh, Machiavelli. I mean, they're all about attain. Like Scheming. Jim isn't. He's straight ahead. He's a football mm-hmm. coach. He's not playing games. The Shanahan's mm-hmm. play games. They are very, very shrewd. They in how play they a like, lot of games. They play games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jed is wrapped around their little finger. Mm-hmm. It's really, really kind of cute. Flay He's says, a product. <laughs> would bet a lot, John said to Kyle. Okay, when I come back with Jed, act worried about the price of CMC. If he thinks it's his idea, he'll be all for it. Flav, <laughs> I don't even disagree with you, man. I don't even disagree with you. That's probably true. He doesn't know he's being socially engineered, bro. That's what that came across as. Like, it did. He's being socially be engineered, multi, bro. Multi billionaire, and everyone's boss. He's the golden goose. You tell him what he needs to hear. Invite him to dinner. Carol Winchester says, "Grant, Kyle, we need CMC, right, John? What? Yeah, Kyle. Listen to Jed. We need him. <laughs> I don't know, Jed, but you're the boss." Antonio says, "All the pretty debate is getting old. There's a lot more interesting stories other than him." I agree. Keith Murphy. Wilkes may not be the counterpart, uh, but we in the ship. Come on, Grant. It's true. Mm-hmm. Leah says, what do you all think about Chris Kasarik being the D coordinator? He, he doesn't, doesn't want, want it. He doesn't, he doesn't want, want it. it. So he shouldn't be it. Antonio says, you are handsome, Grant. So are you, Antonio. Quite a handsome man. Ethan M. There aren't any pretty haters, but there are doubters. National media would begrudgingly say, oh, he's good, but not many are giving the deserved respect. Okay, Ethan, what is the re- deserved respect? Yeah, I need, I need you said it writing. perfectly. What is the deserved respect? I need to know. Brock deserves to be exactly where he is right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like people trying to quantify what... I feel... Uh, and let's be fair. What does suck is when he does do very well, people don't... They like petty fog the glaring success that he had and they get right to the criticism and that Mm -hmm. seems heavy-handed and disingenuous and it's true like the same like 
the praise know, is not nearly as loud as a criticism. It is the truth. That's that's fact. I totally disagree. How? Because there's so many people who do the opposite. It's it's just 50-50. There's a lot of people who think Brock Purdy's great. And how many how many people say Brock Purdy doesn't get enough credit? About 50% of them. Then the other half say actually gets too much credit. I mean, it's just it's like the same mm-hmm. thing of the people who say LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. And people be like, no, it's Michael Jordan. No, I, no, okay, okay. And you know what tips the skills for me in that debate is that if they weren't doing what they needed to do, we wouldn't even be having debate in the exactly. first place. Exactly. So you can say what you want about Brock. Exactly. But Brock got his shot and he, he hasn't let go. It's his, and, it's his fucking spot. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, he's, and there's a he's conversation had, about him. Of course. Huh? And there's a conversation about him, of course. And there's two right. sides to it. But the fact that he's the number one conversation in football says it all. He's the guy. And when you're the guy in a sport, there's going to be a lot of people who say True. he's not as good as everyone says he is. You're going to get the hits. Like, you're going to no, get haters. He's, True. Player. he's way better than people say he is. Like, that's the, I mean, that's the stuff. That's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Dred, uh, Brock should feel happy that he's here. It's heady, it's heady stuff for everyone in the world to have an opinion of you. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Mailman yeah. is either going to come down on man. Brock doesn't get enough respect, or and I just don't know about Brock. Everyone has an opinion. I don't you got? I love that. I think it's pretty cool. If you don't like that, don't be the best. No one will talk about you. Sam Darnold. No one has an opinion on Sam Darnold. Well, yeah. they have an opinion, not a strong one. I so, hear you. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I just, I, I, I do feel like you know. I see, I see people that you know. If you're gonna be, if you're gonna criticize Brock, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that because he's a pro football player. That's what he's there for. But it Name does get disingenuous when you got guys like Ryan Clark, where Ryan like you're gonna come out and say, "I literally had to lie and fake like Brock was as good as Mahomes or whatever." And then when Brock has a good game, like not even like address what you said the time the day before, but come right back and and just go straight into, "Oh, but he looks so good," and he. It's just like. Okay, what does that mean for the comment that you said the day before, though? So there's Ryan Clark. Uh huh. There's who else is uh, Cam Newton? Huh? Cam Newton. Three. Nick Wright. Nick Wright. Three. Right. So I mean, there's people out there that you can name. Name three guys: David Lombardi, Emmanuel Acho. Like, like they're they're, they're, it's it's even on both sides. That's what I say. And the reason that I think there's just so many voices on both sides, they're trying to. Clap back, yeah, you know, yeah. like David's so loud on Twitter talking about the, the next Joe Montana. That people are like, "Well, I gotta say something." But I don't think he's the next. But but this is my thing: is that but he deserves the space to be the next to be to be the next Brock Purdy, though. Hell yeah, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. deserves the space to be the first Brock Purdy. So I feel like that's one of the problems is is that he keeps trying, he keeps putting put into a mold. And for what the NFL gives us today, this kid may be the goods. He may be the goods. Let me try to say one more time what I'm trying to say. When you are an upper echelon player in the league, a face of the of the league type of player, okay, pundits are gonna need to say need to have strong takes about you. Okay, they need to talk about you and they need to stand out while talking about you. So they're gonna go mm-hmm. one of two ways. This guy is even better than people realize, or this guy is overrated. It's going to go one of those two ways. Yeah, you got to be and on an extreme on either side. You're on one of those two sides, but like that's how it always goes. That's been the LeBron James discussion for 20 years. Yeah, Since either you, either he school. can do no wrong or he's the worst ever. Actually, this guy's the greatest player of all time. Act like that's Nick Wright, right? Actually, mm-hmm. 
his resume isn't even appreciated enough. And then you have all these people like Skip Bayless being like, no, dude, this dude is way overhyped. He's a, he's a, he's a product of Nike and this and that. Like, that's how it's going to be with Brock if he's the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh, if he fades away, people are going to stop talking about him and they'll talk about Taylor Swift. Yeah. All I'm saying is, is that are the top two storylines in football this year. True. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. Look, it's the same way. Once you get a quarterback that's locked in for the country and they see how the kid has success and how uh, how how he has that success. It's really not. It's going to be up to the 49ers to keep weapons and to keep Brock with a team so Brock can still be successful. Like, I really don't believe it's like old school NFL where once he gets paid, he's thrown to the wolves and he just got to make it happen. Now, I don't think that's going to happen to Brock. Brock is always going to Brock is always going to have um, a player like to this point. I wanted to actually bring this up. Um, I looked at the time when um, Jimmy Garoppolo got drafted. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo first came in um, with the Niners and uh, when he came back. When he came back to the Niners, uh, Kyle, Kyle had put out a, um, Kyle had put out a quote talking about like how we felt about Jimmy when he had came back, when they had signed him in 2022. And this is what Kyle said. He goes, you got to make tough decisions in this business. The more you learn about the salary cap, the more you learn about how to keep a hold of your players. I thought Jimmy played great during that Super Bowl year, but I also know how good a team we had. They were young. And it gets harder and harder to keep these guys going forward. We realize how hard it would be to keep Debo and sign guys like Fred and like Kittle. We know we're going to end up paying Nick a lot of money down the line. Hello? Hello? Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I paid Nick a lot of money down the line. So you look at all that stuff and getting mm-hmm. a guy on a rookie quarterback, getting a guy on a rookie quarterback deal was a big part of that. And I love that we're giving, we're, we're giving a good team to Trey so he doesn't have to do all of that on his own. This is what I've always liked my team to be constructed like, just like I don't believe Jimmy had to. You try to build a team where it's not just about the quarterback. I think that Kyle, has he always wants it to be this way. Brock is never going to be on his own because that's not the way Kyle wants his team built. So he's enough, bro, and he's here. I, I feel like they're, they're, they're locking in for him to be here. Official BNA Music 88 says Grant got close to Darnold and got mono too. I got strep throat when I was 19. That sucked. Okay. I did. I'm not saying how. Whoa. Boy. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know. Freshman year UCLA. It was wild. Wild. Mm. Jack's fat boy, 65, says, starting watching you this year, became a fan. Thank you. Appreciate you. Lobs all day says, I knew Brock Purdy was the best quarterback before Kyle. I'm a real genius. I just found out a lot of my residents are Niner fans. It's meant to be. This is the year Rodney Dangerfield, Caddyshack, the refs grant. Oh, thanks. All right. Ethan M. Wilkes, please start blitzing Jire or the slot cornerback. Bosa won't let him. Not allowed. Sorry. Four man rush team. I miss Harbaugh that deep. I miss that Harbaugh defense though, says Martin Camacho. Hottest hitting defense we've had. Can I get a Fernando? Fernando. Just a little one. Antonio says, I with you, Grant. In this day and age, there is never a middle ground. Yeah, you got to have a strong take on on an important player. I got to stand out. I have something new to say about Brock Purdy. No, you don't. 
Yeah. No, you don't. Niner Diner says Brock Purdy or Mike. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> he thought you were about to get you. Nah. <laughs> I've been around. Nope. I've been around. Check up. Check, check up. Check up. All right. Last one. Then we got to go. The key to the game. Nick Bosa revealed it. I love Nick Bosa before a game. I said, Nick, what's the key to defending Patrick Mahomes? He's like, uh, uh, keep him in the pocket. And then you have to play relentless with relentless effort for four quarters. And Kyle Shanahan told us the key to the game is defensive line stamina. And I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing when Kyle said this to the team, he was staring right at Chase Young. <laughs> defensive line <laughs> stamina, stamina is the key to the game. Uh, what does that mean to you? Uh, it means that the month, I mean, just like we, uh, just like Jed talked about it today, uh, they spend all of their high money, all of their high assets on defense because Kyle is always spending too much time with the offense. So he needs his number one point of failure, which is that defensive line to be clicking at all times. If we're not pass rushing or getting, uh, Patrick Mahomes off his spot. Uh, it's going to be a long day. Um, and that our defensive line is going to have to wreak havoc and it's going to have to be persistent pressure. And we're going to have to basically have um, a defensive line like we had last year where we literally had waves of depth that came on and off the field and kept the pass rush going. And Nick Bosa was featured and had over 17 sacks. Like this is the type of defensive line effort that he's talking about. And we haven't seen that all year. So. I don't know where it's going to come from, but that's what he's talking about. And to be honest with you, I don't blame him because you should be able to ask for something a notch above from guys like this, especially in the pros, for one game. You should be able to ask for that. You should be able to say, hey, guys, I need you guys to play better than you've ever played all year. And I know that that's kind of like a, a dub moment because it's the Super Bowl, but I saw the way you played last game, and that was the game that was the best, big, biggest game of our entire year. And I looked at the effort, and it was nowhere near to the standard of what we do on defense. Can you imagine Kyle Shanahan saying this about the 2019 team? Hey, guys, the key to this game is defensive line stamina with DeForest no. Buckner on the team. Like, that guy, no. the thing about Buckner, I don't know why the Niners were down on him, but he always gave his all on every freaking play. He's a motor. Morning. He had a motor and mm -hmm. he's and they ended up giving his money to Hargrave and Buckner is such a better player than Hargrave. Sorry, Har has yeah. Hargrave. I feel like Hargrave has been a little bit of a disappointment. He has a few sacks, but he ultimately doesn't pop. Yeah, uh, I feel like he's a Johnny come lately, man. Uh, he he a, a matter of fact, I honestly see him flash a lot in pressure more than he actually does get home. A lot of guys are eating off of his pressure. But one thing I will say to you is that he leaves much to be desired in the run game. That's where I worry about with him. He just gets moved. Um, and a lot of these guys, uh, a lot of these guys, they don't, uh, they don't like die on their sword or fall on their shield. You know, like I, I come from an era in coaching points where if you're a defensive lineman and you're getting dominated on a double team, you're supposed to get lateral with the line of scrimmage and sacrifice your body, right? You need to create a natural, a natural mound right in the middle of the field or wherever you're, because if you're still on feet, 
what you're doing is you're creating not only natural gaps, but you're creating holes and two-way goals for the guys behind you trying to get downhill. So you need to chop down as fast as possible so we can get vision on where we need to go. But you don't see that a lot from these guys on the interior. When they're getting dominated on double teams, they just move. They keep their feet, and they just it's a waltz to the sideline. Uh, and I don't, I don't understand if that's a coaching point or not, but, um, it's something that it's something that's persistent and it was really, it happened a lot in the, during the playoffs. Well, keep in mind, remember that they played the chiefs in the super bowl. And if I remember correctly, Niners were whooping that ass. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chiefs had 10 points in the beginning of the fourth quarter, I believe Mahomes threw two picks in that game. Am I wrong about that? They were whooping that ass. Yeah, they were dogging the Chiefs. We were dogging them. Yeah, and then... Mahomes had two picks. We were up by 10 in the fourth. Yeah, but... One unanswered in the fourth. Yeah, but then it seemed what happened was their D-line got tired. Obviously, their offense fell apart, but I thought their D-line got tired too. They didn't have waves of D-linemen in 2019. They had four guys. And all of a sudden, they weren't... So dominant in the fourth quarter, they'll say I hurt, held, whatever. But you could argue that the reason they lost the Super Bowl the first time was defensive line stamina. So yeah, it's a key. But can you just tell them to be to have stamina? We need you to last longer. Yo, if I could, I would. I mean, really, you you can. You know, there, there's a lot of things you can do in two weeks, man. Honestly, you know what I mean. Like, if you really want to talk about stamina, like, dude, you can get your ass put a sauna suit on. And you could kill 15 pounds. You could kill 10 pounds, honestly, in, in two weeks. You could take off 10 pounds. You could have a water diet. You could sit down and eat a lot of food. You can rehydrate, get your bloodstream up, put a lot of oxygen in your bloodstream. Like, there's things you could do to be ready, right? You could pace yourself. Like, if you needed to, like, really work on stamina, they could be running in the morning. Like, hey, breakfast club, man, we need to just go run, you know? Um, so there's things that they could do to kind of like get their, get their wind up. Um, but, uh, it's, it's happened two weeks in a row. Uh, and you know, I, I'm glad that we won. You want to see your team win. But what I did see is by the second, by the second drive of that green Bay game, we were gassed, gassed. Everybody had their hands on their hips, man. The defense was noticeably tired in that green Bay game. And then you could say, Hey man, 20 days off rust. Right. Then we're playing a team in Green Bay where they just played six days prior. You know, we're kind of coming up against a team that's kind of taught, ready to play. Right. They're ready to go. So in a way, you can kind of give them that, you know, you ran against a team that, you know, they coming off of a game six days earlier. But how are you not ready to go against the Lions? Right. Yeah. Like, how, how, where's the stamina and the effort there? So. Fish and Chips says Kyle Shannon cannot come out with a flawed game plan again. No, we can't. It's got two weeks. Moises Rosales says, how do you handle criticism or negative feedback from viewers and how does it affect your approach as a journalist? Um, I put on a brave face. I turn off the, the stream. I um, put on Boy George and I just cry. Do you really want to hurt dick. I thought you were going to give her a real answer. Do you really want <laughs> Yo, this to is how. This is the answer. No, Moises, this is the answer because this is who he truly is. That's why. He's impenetrable. You, he cannot be bothered. That's why. That's not true. I'm very sensitive, and I do get my feelings hurt, but not by someone I don't know. That's true. I'm sorry. If I know you, and you know me, and you don't like me, that could ruin my year. But if I don't know you, and you think you know me, and you don't like me... It's funny. 
Thanks for watching. We share comments too. A yeah. lot of stuff we we share a lot of comments. There's some really good ones that we love to share. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I saw you call me pizza face. I fucking saw you call me. <laughs> 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 Mark Camacho says Depot should have been the one uh, who was that anchor in the middle. He was all gas, straight, no break, every play. He was our Chris Jones. I don't understand why the Niners didn't see that. I, I would never, never understood that. that. I would never get that. And they kind of didn't have to answer for it because they're good. But to Allure says Grant, Niners beat teams, NFC, blue end up, win Super Bowl. Oh, wait a second. Not Grant Niners beat teams NFC blue. Oh, okay. I got this. So I put out a short. It was made by bet us. They put it on my channel. I put it on my channel forum. Every time the Niners have won a Super Bowl, they beat a team in the NFC championship game that had blue in their logo. Ooh. So we found another. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. And when they lost the Super Bowl, the two times they played, the um, Packers in the NFC Championship and the Rams Falcons Falcons in the NFC Championship Falcons in 2012 oh Packers uh, in 2019 um so okay so if this is a new one it what do we do when we dispel the old ones because the old one got killed with uh the with the Ravens I don't know I don't know. Gregory Perez, do you believe that both Brock haters and super fans have been intellectually, dis- intellectually dishonest in their arguments? And what irritates y'all both about both sides of the discussion? Big fan of the show, even when Grant gets too wild with it. When does that happen? Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's dying to have a, a hot take and a strong take on Brock Purdy when he's still, a, a, you know, a year and a half into his career. It's a little early, but everyone has to know what he is. So I think it's a little intellectually dishonest, yes. You can't just say, hey, you know, I need to see a little bit more before I make a really strong take about who I know he is. You know that. what? Yeah. You know what frustrates what frustrates me, excuse me, about the Brock Purdy debate is that there are people who genuinely care about, like, the success of Brock Purdy and, like, they're really genuine fans. And then you can see there are people with, like, platforms who you can genuinely care, don't care about, Brock Purdy, they just care about the the fanfare, the actual, yeah. the actual like engagement. And they're gonna do whatever they can to keep it going. It's it's kind of it's real sleazy. I heard people saying they think the, the Chiefs are gonna win the Super Bowl because the NFL wants this Taylor Swift story. Mm-hmm. I feel like Brock Purdy's out Taylor Swifting Taylor Swift in the NFL. Like Brock Purdy is the resident Taylor Swift in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. it's good for the league. He's squeaky mm-hmm. clean. He looks 13 years old. He appeals to yeah. everyone. Yeah, he looks like a youth pastor. Yes. Like, Brock, like, I mean, Brock, yeah. Brock, Brock translates. Uh, he crosses over across all metrics. He's clean yeah. cut. Um, and then I feel like one of the things about Brock that kind of um, everybody can get behind is he seems very grounded. Yeah, So absolutely. Absolutely. You know, not like he got... Handed the starting job and a bunch of money and went on a date with Kiara Mia or made it rain. Yeah, but the first time I see Brock in the chain, I'm like, he's gone to the dark side. He's gone. It's over. It's over. <laughs> I can't wait until Brock gets his first like controversy. What's it gonna be? 
I'm not saying in trouble, but like the first thing Brock does and people are like, oh, what? is he ever going to do that? Nah, I don't see it. I don't see it. How could he say that? How could he wear that? If he's lucky. I mean, if he's smart, if he's smart, he'll just keep the circle he has now. I don't see it. I don't see it. I just feel like he's a little Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson was young, everyone was like, man, this guy is so positive. No, 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 no. I think Brock is, I like Brock way more than I like Russell Wilson as a person. Okay. Not as a player, as a person. As a person, Russell Wilson was like so awesome, cringe. I'm new here thing only lasts so long, and eventually you're going to be 27 with $300 million in the bank, and it's like, who are you really? I don't think, like, Brock gives off that friend. Brock gives off that friend that, like, like is, like, saved. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Brock gives off that vibe where, like, he's the friend that, like, you don't curse around him. Well, you put the J away when Brock comes around. What do you, like, what? you put the J away, Brock is coming what? around. I don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Never okay. heard of that. Okay, that's fine. Letter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, I don't, I don't like Russell Wilson was contrived to me. I didn't really like buy his brand. He seemed real fake when I when I first saw. Like, kind of like just, started. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make a point though. Brock comes across like he has no ego. Super, sure. super humble, and like he'll talk to. He'll no, talk no, to no, no. People. I wouldn't say that he does. Not he like has he has an ego. Hell of an ego. A healthy yeah. ego. All right, I think he got heart. I think Brock ain't no bitch. That, that I don't think that that's like ego. I feel like he ain't no punk. That comes across. Like I don't. I've never seen a moment where I seen him scared. Where I looked at him on the field and I was like, that kid is scared to play. No, I've never seen that like, from Brock. He said stuff like, "I'm just here to serve the Lord." And if he didn't think I needed to be a quarterback, then that's what it is. It's like, nah, dude. You oh, but that's that good old America, player? though. You think that's you're America. a gun- but you think you're a gunslinger. You think you're like a top. I like Brock a lot, but he's caught between saying what he thinks is the right thing and expressing himself. And I'm telling you when he's 27 and he's got the money and he's been around a little bit, he's going to express himself a little bit more genuinely than he has been this Mm. off-shucks routine. Come on. You you got a hell of an ego. So do I. It's it's okay. It's okay. Okay. We'll see. I I think we may have got... I think he didn't have an ego. Like you, And he played like it. Yeah, but at the same time, I think that uh, Brock is going to – I I like – I want to see who he is as, like, uh, his own man when the team is his officially. Yeah. Then we'll see how the team is ran when it, when Brock is the man for real. Where how, when you don't have George coming up to you telling you how to be a leader, hey, just be calm. Hey, you're the man. Just speak with confidence. The boys will follow you. It's like, dude, go block. Go block. I'm good, George. Go block. I, I, I remember this way. When Kaepernick took over team he was an instant success players liked him he was popular Mm -hmm. then he got paid a lot then harbaugh left then the team changed a little bit Mm -hmm. all of a sudden he was different he wasn't the same he wasn't looked at the same way like circumstances change how do you respond so you so you so you are you saying are you saying that in a way colin was uh colin had like his harbaugh muscles like he was like emboldened by Jim being there. And then once I'll Jim left, I'll never forget. He, uh, Tom Sula's first year training camp. He just decides to undress verbally undress Quentin Patton on the field in front of everyone. Yeah. I don't know what it was. He ran the wrong route, something. And he screams at him in front of everyone stops the practice. And, and Quentin Patton says, stands there, like takes it. And he's like, wait a second. Like 
have you earned that? Do your teammates respect you enough to let you on that level? You've never done this before. Is this you being a, a new type of leader that Harbaugh's gone and it felt forced and it didn't work? I, I just wonder, like, and it was like, okay, now you're a little bit older and now you have to take this leap because of the money and because the coach is gone. Like, can you do it? Is it authentic? No. Mm-hmm. Can I, what happens when Brock's in that situation? Maybe he'll never be in that situation. Maybe he, he and Kyle will be working together for 20 years like Brady and Belichick, but be interesting to see his front le- his frontal lobe hasn't even finished for he's a he's a glorified teenager he's a glorified i mean teenager. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what their relationship is like down the line i think that brock and kyle i want to see how it blossoms really me too me too uh andrew menard says i'm surprised brock stayed healthy throughout the entire season heaps of starting quarterbacks got injured this year agree Lucky yeah. Louis Lowell Cohn said Purdy is better than Lamar. The man knows ball, knows ball. No, he didn't. He said he, I don't know what he said, actually. Maybe he did. I don't think he did. Colin is not as smart as Purdy. Colin was an AP student in his high school. Colin was like a 4.0 student. Colin had great recall. He could memorize a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know if he's, that's the thing. When people talk about the, the reaction that the field vision and the reaction that Purdy has, that's not smarts. Yeah. Joe Montana had that. He's not what you would call a genius. I don't know that he was getting 4.0s in high school. No, it's, it's just it's, a, it's a cognitive trait. It's something yeah. that you're able to call on and fire off that a lot of people without thinking. Yeah, a lot of people don't have the synapses to be able to call on that, to fire on that. And it's not about being smart. It's it's literally to be honest with you, if you really want to like cuz this is a game, right? Let's be this is a game. If mm-hmm. you really want to like look at like what that would call out, just go play whack-a-mole, right? And like your best guy at understanding an entire field and knowing what's going to pop up and who knows how to get those things with their body and deliver the ball. Like I'm telling you, like it's, it's a unique knack. You have to be able to either you have it or you do not have it. You can't you know like coach that into somebody. You know, who was the player, the person that people are saying Brock is the aw shucks. No, no ego, humble guy. Trey people pleaser. Not yeah. that confident in himself. It was Trey. Dude, Brock's the one who comes in third string and tells George to shut the hell up in the in the huddle. I don't think Trey would have done yeah. that. Yeah. I, I but also too, what 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 Trey, what what got exposed about Trey too is that Trey was a little spoiled. Like I feel like I feel like Trey came here and he thought he had time. I yeah. think he came here and he thought that he came here and oh, he saw it's it's two different types of kids. It's the guy, it's the kid that comes to the school and he comes in and says, oh man, I look at the stadium, look at all of our jerseys. I'm the starter. I'm going to be the guy. You know, they brought me here. They recruited me. And then you get the kid who barely came in as a walk-on and he sees the stadium and he gets nervous and says, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go run. Like, I know that I don't belong here until like I can get my shot. And that's the difference. I honestly, that's how I see it between Brock and Trey. Fish and chips. CK got worked over by NFL D coordinators. That's ancient history. Flav says they asked Brock what he listens to. And he said, he's been listening to podcasts about having a successful marriage. That dude will not get in trouble. He's like Kirk cousins minus the acapella signing. He's 24. Let's see. Everyone takes an L eventually. Let's see what happens. I'm, I'm telling you, Grant, this, I'm telling this kid, you. his kids, he, he's, he's one of them. Jesus kid, Jesus kind of country got his family, man. I don't get it. I don't see it from Brock. Trey is I don't. Too. Trey is too. No, 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 
No, we see you seen the videos. Don't make me bring them up. You never seen you. I don't see Brock having Brock those videos to make it rain. I don't. Trey Brock and Brock I can't let you do that, huh? Brock can make They're it not, rain with IOUs. Yeah, he can make it rain with IOUs for now, he but can't. I don't see. Nah, they're not the same kid. They're not, man. Trey hey, was a good kid, Jimmy but he's not was Brock. A wholesome, down to earth dude until he got $100 million and started dating Kiara Mia. Everyone was like, oh, I, oh. I guess we don't know a guy. Because that's what they say about money, right? It doesn't change you, it reveals who you are. It just elevates more of who you were, yeah. Sean says, no shade to Brock, but why was everyone mad at Cam saying Brock was the 10th best player shock value? He didn't lie, though. Yeah, I counted through. I had him at 10. Yeah. You could argue maybe 8, but there's definitely 7 yeah, better players. Yeah, he's like fringe top 10. Keith Murphy, listen to how Brock's teammates speak him versus Russ speaking him. He may say something political or religious that may come across controversial. I know that Russell Wilson's teammates didn't like him, and Marshawn Lynch felt like he didn't... Uh, he didn't give his number out to his teammates. Like, no one could contact him. Yeah. Brock comes across like Tebow. Called him from a block number. He does have a little bit of that Tebow. Although Tebow is like preaching to you. Brock isn't really preaching. I don't think. Yeah. Tebow had a little bit of that David Carr in him. A little bit of that Carson Wentz. You know what I mean? Like, if I could convert everyone and win this game, that would be a win. Yeah. Like, look, <laughs> Tim. That gorilla, that gorilla Jesus. Like, you will <laughs> pray. All right, this show's going an hour and a half. Thanks for watching. Coach, great stuff. You want to follow the coach, subscribe to his YouTube. Link's in the description. Make sure you do that. His channel is phenomenal. He's excellent. This is the coach's meeting. Thank you for watching. I'll be back. Tomorrow is Friday. They have practice again. Um, I'll, be do, I'll be live streaming Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then heading down to Vegas Monday morning and then streaming from there. So This was a good one, Nikki. It was a good one. Hold on, someone at the buzzer, buzzer real quick. Keith, didn't Trey go on a bender with Kittle in Vegas? Now he got dragged along. Remember that? They brought him there and tried to act like he, he was like a tagger along. He like, just turned 21, I think. Yeah. It was so taking, awkward. He's over there taking selfies for Instagram. I really feel like Trey took getting drafted as a way to elevate his Instagram page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got a crazy social media footprint. I got a jersey on now. Hey. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Locker room. Blink. <laughs> See you guys.